What's going on, Trophy Kids? This is my favorite one yet. Why? Because we're doing the NFC South, my division, home of my Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I am also giving out two futures for the college football season ahead that I very much like. Sprinkled a little cash on those today. This is a good one. We have an epic mess up of a saying towards the end, um, but it's a fun one. So hope you enjoy it. Thank you for listening. Hope you still follow us here through the uh, season. We got some great content here coming out for you soon. And thank you so much for your support. And welcome to Trophy Kids presented by Bad News Media. It is Friday, August 27th. It is NFC South week here on Trophy Kids. I am ecstatic to get to my division finally. One, because my bucks are fucking awesome. Oh, sorry, Mom. There's the F-bomb in the first first minute. Um, <laughs> but I am very excited for the NFC South today. We are going to break down the NFC South. I also, at the end of the show, I'm going to give out two college football future pets I have. But first, how are we doing, sir? We brought back Michael for this as well. I am doing well. Uh, you should be excited. It's always good to do your own division. We did mine last time. Uh, yours is up, and um, you have a lot of reason to be excited, I think. I agree. I also like it because my prep is considerably less on weeks like this because I just I know the divisions so much better than all the other. Like I, Not that I don't know all those divisions well, but I know that's like the back of my hand at this point, um, which is nice. So, you know, I got to focus a little bit more on college football, which – we have live bullets this weekend. First week, week zero, whatever they call it now. Not the technically opening kickoff, but it, we got real football. Stuff that is going to matter. Gambling potential here. I'm looking at a couple lines this week. I sort of like, I'm going to throw those picks out this later this week. Um, AKA, you're listening to this on Friday, so they'll come out Friday night. But I'm very excited for football officially being back. We've been saying it like every week with different mile markers, but it's here now. It's here. The teams are going to be trying. That's exciting. Everyone's going to be trying to win. Money, act. Just be throwing money at every game. I can't wait. It's great. For those gamblers out there, you know, don't blow your bankroll. Don't blow your load in the first minute here. Um, keep, it, keep it sane. But I do like it. Get a lot of eyeballs on games. I always try to keep the first week a little little bit more eyeballs, a little less money. But I throw a little out. I sprinkle a little across the board just to have a little fun on the first week. But it is a big – I mean, college football is opening big. Clemson, Georgia, two top five teams slugging it out on Saturday opening night. It feels like the opening of college basketball. I feel like we never really get that in college football. It's an awesome opening weekend next weekend, and we got games. Yep, next weekend you also got uh, Virginia Tech UNC on Friday at 6 p.m., I, I believe 6 p.m. starts, so yep. that's going to be a great start to the weekend. Yep, it's fantastic. Um, we did have non-actual games in Hard Knocks this week, and I'm only bringing this up. I don't know if you have any thoughts on this week one, but I forgot to say it last week. You know what annoys me about Mike McCarthy? He throws around the world world championship way too much. It's the damn Super Bowl. Like, why are you calling this thing a world championship? Nobody else in the world plays this sport. Like, this isn't baseball. This isn't, like, it's the Super Bowl. It has an official name. Like, what are you doing? I, it drives me off the walls. I'm, it's another just another tally as to why if the Cowboys were a stock this year, I'd be taking a bank loan out to short them. Um, yeah, I remember, like, there's a famous clip, I want to say maybe, like, when the Rams won with Kurt Warner, maybe, like, Brady's first uh, Super Bowl, there's, like, a famous clip where, like, they're like, the, the Patriots are world champions, and I think that sounds stupid, too, it's not, it, it is a sport in one country, it is the NFL, it's not, you know, NFL Canada, obviously it's the best team in the world, yeah. but still, it's stupid, um, and for Hard Knocks, um, I only watched the first 15 minutes so far, uh, I'll finish the rest probably tonight, but I just want to point out, uh, in the first meeting between the quarterbacks, Dak is sitting by himself at an, um, another table. Like I said, he's a dick. Um, <laughs> I didn't notice that. I thought of you when I saw that. It might be because of COVID, uh, you know, maybe, but that doesn't fit my narrative. Dak is a dick, and he's sitting away from everyone else because he disrespects everyone else. <laughs> Dak's a 
you have to keep with the narrative. Doesn't matter why. I mean, they all are at the table, so it can't be necessarily COVID. Um, but yeah, I did. I did notice that, and I immediately thought of you when I saw it. Of course. <laughs> oh, hard knocks. It is. It's got a little less juice on it this year. This episode was. Uh, it was slower than most, but I did. I did like some of the players they highlighted. We got more of the guys that are on the uh, the fringe outside, and got highlight of the uh, as we're speaking about world game how the NFL has that international players program that they try to bring guys in from around the world. The Cowboys oh, yeah. have an offensive lineman. The kid, the guy who wanted cake in the first episode as he's huffing and puffing from his wind sprints uh, is from Mexico. So he's part of the international players uh, pipeline or whatever. Mm-hmm. But let's talk NFC South. This division, at one point I remember I was sit- sitting with you talking a couple of years ago, and it, it dawned on me that at the time, this division was the best quarterback division in all of football, and it wasn't even really close. I mean, you had a first battle Hall of Famer in Drew Brees. You had Matt Ryan, who's playing at MVP levels. You had Cam Newton, who's fantastic at the time. And you had Jameis Winston, kind of the, the stinker of the bunch, but still was slinging the balls. It was just a turnover issue. It's a little bit of a different division now. <laughs> not, not even close to the best quarterback division. There's been some changes here. Biggest change, though, is coming in the Saints. One of the most consistent teams for the last decade plus, almost. Um, when I was looking over at their numbers, it is incredible how consistent Sean Payton has been. Their win, so- win total sits at about nine, nine and a half, depending on where your your book's at. Um, they are biggest change. Fall, probably a first ballot Hall of Famer quarterback is no longer there. They still somewhat have a quarterback balance between Jameis Winston and Taysom Hill, which is insane to me um just because the struggles Taysom Hill has where do you fall on the Saints and their expectations for this year um well quick note I I don't think you know not to get into debate but I don't think Drew Brees is a probably I think he's a definitely first Uh, ballot Hall of Fame yeah Um, I would agree but but they the Hall of Fame does weird shit all the time then again he isn't T.O. so he should be (laughs) Drew Brees is a first ballot Hall of Famer um (laughs) but on this team, actually, you know, I know Drew Brees is, is a big loss. He's a huge loss. He's the most glaring loss. Um, the whole Michael Thomas thing is a little confusing um, that he waited so long to get surgery. You almost have to wonder, I'm not, you know, accusing Michael Thomas of this, but maybe he doesn't love football. Um, I, I think there are some, prof- I don't think every professional athlete necessarily loves their sport. They're just really good. And hey, you're going to make millions. Let's do it. Yeah. But it's kind of odd that he waited so long. Like, like I mean, then even if like even if he got it in March, that'd be okay. But he waited forever to get this surgery, so he's starting the season on pup, which is a big issue. Um, but other than that, I was actually I was expecting to go in and look at this team and not be too impressed. I was kind of like maybe overthinking the loss of Drew, but I, I still actually kind of like the roster that they have. Um, obviously, there's a big question mark. I, I mean, I think Jameis is clearly going to start. Um, yeah. I think he'll probably play well under um, play pretty well under uh, Peyton, but I, I don't think that you know I don't think the, the turnover issue will get solved. Um, it's not the offense is just not going to be as fluid as it was with Drew Brees. I wonder, you know, how is Kamara's production going to be impacted? Um, is he still going to get eighty grabs? Uh, I think it's kind of important he does, you know, with how dynamic and how good he is. But I don't, you know. I do recall the few games that Drew missed last year. While it was mostly Taysom Hill playing, Kamara's production went way down. Um, so hopefully they'll still get him involved. And the whole Marquez Callaway thing, unfortunately, uh, Jameis kind of exposed him. Now everyone knows he's going to be a stud. So, I mean, I think the Saints will, as always, I think they'll be fine wide receiver, even without Michael Thomas. 
Um, and I still like the defense quite a bit. Um, the offensive line is ranked like top five in the in the league. Um, yeah. Defense has a lot. Of, the defense has a ton of weapons still in Jordan, uh, Cameron Jordan, Malcolm Jenkins, Marshawn Lattimore. So I, I I do like this team more than I was expecting when I was going into like kind of just you know looking into them. So I I have them at nine in my book. I. I that's a really good number. I think I kind of like them over the nine. The schedule is pretty hard. They do have some pretty tough games in there. Um, nine and a half, is, you're getting me a little worried, I'll be honest. Nine, I might still go with the over because I think they can at least eke out nine wins. Yeah, it, I think the expectation is set about right. Like, I think the books have priced this team pretty right. They're, they're not like when I look at these future bets and these totals, I'm look, we're looking for books that are kind of undervaluing a team or overvaluing a team. And I, I think they got this number pretty damn right, which they get most team numbers pretty damn right. Um, it is incredible. Sean Payton, I feel like does not get enough credit for the insane coaching job he has done down there for the last 15 years. When I was looking this over in 15 years, the offense has never finished worse than 11th in efficiency. The average is sixth. That's incredible. Over the last five years, they're sixth in first down pass efficiency, first in first down, um, or sorry, sixth in first down pass uh, frequency, first in first down pass efficiency, first in short yardage to go on second, fewest yards to go on second down, first in shortest yards to go on third down, and first in conversion rate on third down. It's insane consistency. And last year, when you look at it, he had Drew Brees, who's banged up and hurt. He had a offensive or a wide receiver room that the one and two guys never really saw the field together outside of two games um, the whole time. They were all banged up. Like it, they did an incredible job. Um, and so it made me ner- knowing how good Sean Payton is and how kind of always consistent this offense is when. Jameis decided, hey, I want to stop being a moron and get my eyes fixed because I can't see the ball. It did make me, or see the defense, it did make me nervous that he was going to succeed in New Orleans, to be quite honest. Um, Because the question has never been, can Jameis sling the ball? The question has always been, can Jameis not be an idiot? Um, And we're going to wait to see. You know, people were lighting up Twitter in that first preseason game, and I'm over here sitting down like, yeah, I mean, Jameis is generally a first-half quarterback. Just wait until we get to the second half. He's like a pitcher that once you kind of get into the game, the batters start to figure out. Like, his second-half production has always been worse than his first-half production since he's been in the league. The guy makes a bunch of errors, especially under pressure. 37% of his turnovers came under pressure, but as you pointed out, I almost argue this might be a top-three offensive line. They are damn good on the offensive line. Definitely top five. Um, so it's interesting. The offense, I think, it's priced well. It's just an interesting... An interesting dynamic coming into this season. Yeah, and like you said, I, I just don't. Th- Drew last year didn't play like he wasn't playing like typical Drew Brees. So I, I don't see this offense taking that big of a step back. Um, I, you know, obviously, it's more prone to you know more turnovers, um, but I just I still think it's going to be a pretty efficient offense. Uh, Sean Payton, like you said, I mean he's just. I mean, he's just had that team humming for 15 years. It's crazy. I mean, it really is. I don't think he gets enough credit at all. Um, yeah, like they're always in the conversation for are they going to make a Super Bowl run? It feels like every oh, year. Well, like they don't get there, but it it every year. What other team outside the Patriots and now the Chiefs, I guess, are like that? <laughs> they're, they're always in the conversation. They have been for like well over a decade. Yeah. And obviously, he's going to have to get because he loves him. He's going to have to get Taysom Hill involved somehow. Um, <laughs> He can't be a weapon in ways. I, I know we like to bash on him, but he can't be a weapon in ways. But, you know, you're paying him 
you know, ten and a half million dollars this year. He better get, get involved somehow. Uh, it's insane that they paid. <laughs> they paid a Swiss Army knife essentially, ten and a half a year. It's insane. It's absolutely insane. It's really bizarre. But you know, one thing about Jamison, yeah, obviously he is, you know, a first half starter, and I do agree with that. And he, his, one of his issues is extending plays. His, his need to extend plays and to to literally get rid of the ball while he's being thrown to the ground by a defensive tackle, just still get the ball out of his hand just because he has to. I, I, I don't know if you could fix that. So that's a big concern. But you also can't. I know thirty interceptions is just ridiculous. It really is. It's insane to wrap your mind around. Yards. I mean, he had fifty-one hundred yards, and I mean, I could be wrong, but I think there's only been about ten five-thousand-yard passing seasons in the entire history of the NFL. That's going to go up now because passing is just getting ridiculous. Yeah. In the seventeen, but he did have a five-thousand-yard passing season, but it's. It's going to be a more roller coaster of a ride for the Saints this year, without a doubt, with Jameis, you know, <laughs> on the saddle, as you know. Yeah, it's, I mean, Jameis is, he's the most unintentionally funny player in the league, as well as, like, the biggest eight. Like, I've seen him throw a ball while he's getting sacked, not even looking in the same direct, like, he is looking towards his own end zone, throwing it behind him. Um, the LASIK will help with kind of like he he does tend to miss you know a linebacker out in the flat you know like how the hell did you not see him that type of stuff so maybe that will help um but he uh yeah I just if somebody's gonna fix him it is Sean Payton though like I love Bruce we're gonna get to Bruce in a little bit but he's not on the same level as Sean Payton like the coaches Jameis has had are not on the same level and he got to sit behind Drew last year and and kind of learn that offense through first ballot hall of famer as we we pointed out so i think there's hope if you're a saints fan i'm don't love the fact that he is still in the division because he like i said as we both recognize he can sling the ball that's never been his issue um the cons for fantasy owners who love camara yeah his production's probably going to go down james isn't a huge check down guy um he likes to be very aggressive um, but I do think Sean Payton might run the ball a little bit more if Jameis is having turnover problems and not be as aggressive as I just read off on those first down kind of pass plays and stuff because turnovers will kill him, which brings us to the defensive side of the ball. The defense needs to be prepared to have some really shitty starting field position. I think the Saints have had one of the best field starting field positions on defense in the NFL for like the last five, ten years. I forget this, like the statistic, but they have one of the best starting positions in the defense because Drew Brees doesn't turn the ball over, and so that you're you're constantly either punting or you're moving down the field. So that's going to be a difference for the, the Saints defense, and they are aging a little bit here, but they still got studs. Cam Jordan, yeah, he had a down year compared to Cam Jordan years, but I wouldn't, he's still a stud. Um, like, Malcolm Jenkins is getting up there. He had somewhat of a, a down year for his own production, but he's still pretty good. Like, Or I shouldn't say, he's good. Um, Quan Alexander is a very good linebacker. Davenport, if they could get him playing at his potential, there's still talent. Like, this is a very good football team. I think nine wins is about right. Like, that's just where I'm going to put it. <laughs> yeah, I really do too. The only concern is the wide receiver room. Callaway is going to be a stud, but out, who's that next guy to I don't know if they have a next guy. Like, check on check on Smith's pretty good, but yeah, it's a good uh, point. Yeah, I mean that is a concern. They lost they lost Jared Cook too, which is also not good. Jared Cook's a big target, big reliable target. So yeah, that that is concerning. Yeah, that's your concern point. If you're a Saints fan, your concern is who's going to emerge as that that kind of second guy. Um, but onto a team that has, I think one of the more interesting. 
seasons ahead of them in the Atlanta Falcons, and I only say that for what Arthur Smith might be able to do with this offense. Their lines, they're sitting at a 7.5 win total right now. The Falcons have been a disaster since that Super Bowl. They, in the same way the triple doink broke Matt Nagy's brain um, in Chicago, the Super Bowl loss broke Atlanta's entire franchise's brain. Um, Their cap space is a disaster. They are aging in a lot of different positions. Their defense was trash last year, but in comes a completely new regime, bringing in Arthur Smith, the offensive coordinator from the Titans last year. How do we feel about the expectations of the Falcons and kind of where they are projected as a team, I guess, headed into the future? Um, I mean, the future is looking concerning, obviously, because their cap situation, that's always, you know, a very concerning thing. Um, I don't know. I do like some pieces of the team. First of all, I want to say Matt Ryan, I I actually think he's a really good quarterback. I think he's a really smart quarterback. Yep. Um, I, I think he's kind of underappreciated. I think he can... He's definitely go, he's started to age a little bit, and you can see it in his in his numbers and everything. But I, I just want to say I think Matt Ryan's really really fucking good. Um, obviously, you know losing Julio Jones is a, a big loss. Um, he's a Hall of Famer for sure. You know, we have a lot of Hall of Fame references today, by the way. <laughs> yes, um, but but we're we're accurate with him in my yeah. opinion. Hall of Famer. People like to um, throw that around a lot, but in in very weird ways. But they, we're accurate in these two. They are yeah. definitely Hall of Famers. <laughs> Um, and they're bringing in Kyle Pitts. I love Kyle Pitts. Um, yep. I am I am willing to go on record and say, and we're really throwing it around. I think he will be a Hall of Famer. I'm with you 100. percent to make bold statements in sports. Um, I think he is a Hall of Fame talent. I think he's going to be a stud pretty much from the start. Obviously, he's a tight end, but he he's basically a wide receiver. So I I think the Julio loss won't be as bad as maybe you would expect. Calvin Ridley is a stud. I think he's going to blow up this year i would i mean he's already blown up in previous years but i mean this year i I think he's really gonna like really gonna feast um i mean they have weapons they have hayden hurst as well they have a great so two tight end sets you know good they can get creative maybe with cordero patterson i know he's kind of aging but he still is kind of a a fun player to have on a team um the, the the goal uh the todd Gurley experience didn't work by the way todd Gurley, dude that's so that is that is just Life can come at you so fast as an NFL running back. He yep. j- he just finished his this past season as a 26 year old. It's insane. He just turned 27. Literally this month, he just turned 27, and he's a free agent. I'm glad he was able to cash in and make some money. Make a he's I think he made 50 million dollars over his career, so I'm happy about that. Yeah. Um, but literally three years ago, dude, best running back in the NFL. I yeah. Mean, that 2018 season, but ever since the, those playoffs, and I'm going on a Todd Gurley rant here. <laughs> That's but, fair. Uh, Go off, ever, King. <laughs> ever since those Rams playoffs when uh, Sean McVay was like, "What are you?" When he wasn't playing, but he was like, "Yeah, he's fine." What are you talking about? Like, "Oh, okay, Sean McVay." Like, yeah, <laughs> his knees are deteriorating, but yeah, sure. <laughs> but life comes at you fast, so that whole experience didn't work. I do like bringing in Mike Davis. I think Mike Davis is a good player. He filled in well when McCaffrey was pretty much out last all last year. Um, South Carolina guy. Um, I like Mike Davis bringing him in, but I don't know. This team, there are, there are big holes. The defense has that defense five years ago was awesome. When that, that team was really humming, they, they've really gone downhill. They have AJ Terrell at corner uh, coming back for his second season. He's kind of an exciting part on that defense. The whole Dante Fowler experience didn't really work. Um, Fowler and the they got to get him going. Really? Yeah. I think he really benefited off of playing with Aaron Donald in, in LA. Um, Hopefully he can get going because he's kind of overall as a, I think he was a number three pick. Um, he's kind of had a pretty 
underwhelming career. I know he, that first training camp tearing his knee up couldn't have helped, but hopefully he can get going. Um, but it, it, that hasn't worked out. I don't love this team. I think, you know, they have nice pieces. Um, I am a big Matt Ryan guy, but I, I don't love them, especially, you know, with this, you know, new regime sometimes takes a year or so. Um, so I think this team's got, you know, a few, few years away, maybe have to do some rebuilding. I agree. I think they're going to have to do some rebuilding. What makes them interesting to me is, one, I think they got the right guy on defensive coordinator, which I'll get to here in a minute with uh, Dean Pease. But two, Arthur Smith, he has the potential to make this offense surprisingly good because Arthur Smith's scheme is everything that works for, like, Matt Ryan. High play actions, high motions, um, zone run schemes. Think, like, Kyle Shanahan offense is essentially what he mimics. Um, and that was Matt Ryan's best year. That was this offense's yep. best year. Um, and you have, he's big on two tight end sets. You go out, you get Kyle Pitts. Hertz is there. Like, that is huge. Like, he does all the things that make kind of Matt Ryan and what this offense is sort of built for good. And he's going to find super creative ways to get Calvin Ridley um, in open space. So I'm super interested to see if it works right away. It may, like you said, it, it generally takes a little while, but it's, it's, ideas and philosophies that are not unfamiliar to Matt Ryan. Um, and Arthur Smith, I mean, just look at what he did with Tannehill. I mean, Tannehill goes from Adam Gase to Arthur Smith, and that offense explodes immediately. And now you're getting a guy who's not that far removed from an MVP season. Yeah, he's 36, but he's still got a lot of tread on his tires in Matt Ryan. I very much, very much like him. Um, I think you hit it right in the head with Kyle Pitts, though. I'm, I'm of the same opinion. I, I think there are very few sure-thing draft picks in the NFL. Like I don't usually like to say it, but Kyle Pitts is as sure of a thing as I've seen coming out of college ever. He is insanely talented. It's nuts. It's absolutely insane. <laughs> um, yeah. Back to the defense, though, slightly. I'm kind of bouncing a little around. My notes are a little unorganized here today. But um, Dean Pease, also, if you're an Atlanta guy, this is where it's going to take the most time. That defense is... There's not a lot of talent there, if we're being honest. Like, I don't see, like, when you look at that defensive depth chart, I'm not like, oh, this team is super talented. They've got some studs. That's not to say they don't have them. I mean, Jarrett, or uh, what's his face? Um, defensive tackle. Oh, my God, I'm blanking on his name. Uh, Grady Jarrett or whatever. He, yeah, he's a stud. Um, so there, there's, there's talent on this team. But Dean Pease, been a defensive coordinator 12 years. His unit, eight out of those 12 years, has finished top 10 in scoring defenses. Six out of those 12 years, he's had a top 10 defense in efficiency. He loves to bring pressure. He brings it from all over the place on the field. Um, it doesn't. He'll blitz cornerbacks, safeties, linebackers. It, it doesn't matter. He'll be creative with it, which you're playing in a division with Jameis Winston, who sucks under pressure, and Sam Darnold, who might be mentally broken from Adam Gase's experience. I don't. We're going to get to him in a minute. So you've got two divisional rivals that that, that a guy that loves to bring pressure at the rate he likes to bring pressure is going to be super helpful. Um, so we have that. I mean, uh, Grady Garrett's legit. D uh, Dylan James is a stud linebacker. But outside of that, I mean, I don't love the secondary. I don't love their schedule is super tough. They travel the most net miles. They've got 10 road games. One of them is in, in London. They don't play a bunch of super tough pass defenses. So I guess that's a good thing. Um yeah, I think but. they're going to, like you said, their secondary is going to struggle. I mean, AJ Terrell's young. They brought in Fabian Moreau from Washington. Fabian barely played in Washington. When he played, he actually did play pretty well. Um, but, you know, he's still pretty unknown. Um, so they brought him in. 
it just seems like a very inexperienced secondary. Um, so I just think they're gonna they're gonna struggle. Probably give up a good amount of points. Yeah, they're gonna struggle. And the here's here's the other thing. games. Hundred percent. I uh, yeah, this is an over thing to watch for sure because bad defense with a potentially electric offense. Yeah, has a recipe for high overs here, um, especially early. Um, the one thing I, I also forgot, not a whole lot of NFL teams are built well at the quarterback position outside of their starters, but the Falcons are dangerously thin. Like, A.J. McCarron goes down. They're bringing yeah. in Josh Rosen. They're they're trying out Blake Bortles. The other guy's Felipe Frank, who is not very good in college. No. Yeah. Like, that's that's a scary situation. Like, it is, it is, it's not good. So, you have to pray to God that that offensive line benefits from the zone blocking scheme because they're not very good either and they play some insanely good defensive lines i mean they have the bucks in week two and the washington football team in week four right off the bat that's 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 trouble and you got the giants um in week three and that's a that's a they're not like an elite defense but they're a physical defense and they get after you so it's tough i don't know if i like this i don't know about the seven number i i it's possible, but I don't like that they travel a lot. I don't like they don't have a lot of rush. That's usually a recipe for da- disaster in the NFL. And like you said, I think it may take a little bit for a lot of these schemes to take place. But I think they're headed in the right dis- direction, at least for their coaching staff. Mm-hmm. All righty. The Panthers. Mm-hmm. Another sort of interesting team on the books. It's year two in that regime. Their win total also sits at seven and a half is what I'm seeing. Um is this the Joe Brady show? Like, I know Matt Rule's the head guy, but the feel I keep getting from this is this is the Joe Brady show. It, it does kind of have that feel. It's kind of funny. Um, Sam Darnold is blessed to go from Adam Gase to Joe Brady. Um, I and just the I, talent around him, too. Oh, yeah, the talent. Yep, the talent around, you know, the talent that the Panthers have because they have weapons for sure. But going from Gase to Joe Brady should be, should help him in his career. So far, it, it's been a tough one. Um, he's got 38 games, 39 interceptions. Um, that's ugly. That's not what you want. <laughs> <laughs> no, not at all. I wasn't high on Sam Darnold. He gave me the same type of Jameis Winston vibes. Like, turned the ball way too much over in college for some rede- – like, I just didn't see it. Maybe it'll happen I, I, here, but I never saw it with him. I never saw it either. So far, the issues that we saw in college are issues that he's having in the NFL. He's he's averaged about sixty percent completion percentage in today's NFL. That's that's too low. That's that's not what you want as a starting quarterback, especially when you're going with one interception per game average. Um, I do think that it helps. He, he it should help his confidence, which can't be overly high right now. But they did pick up his. <laughs> sorry, your face reaction made me laugh. Uh, they did. They did pick up his fifth-year option, so it's it seems like this is at least a two-year. They're giving him a two-year experiment with Sam Darnold. I think that should at least help him mentally. Obviously, he still needs to perform in year one because it's the NFL. They'll give up on you after year. If you go yeah. out and win three games, they'll take a quarterback in two seconds. But I, I think that should at least mentally help him. Um, like you said, the weapons, that, that's way, you know, he's never had weapons like this. He's hopefully got a 100% healthy Christian McCaffrey. Um, DJ Moore, Robbie Anderson. I love the pickup of Terrace Marshall. Um, that yeah. should that should make the the loss of Curtis Samuel pretty much not even really noticeable. I think he's a stud. He's going to be really good. Uh, the offensive line though is a concern, and when your offensive line is a concern, and you have a quarterback back there that doesn't have much confidence, has accuracy issues already, that's a big concern for me. Um, their defense, they have Brian Burns who is you know continuing to develop and 
appears to be a very good player. Um, I love the pickup of JC Horn. That's just another player who, you know, just, you know, confirms that we're old. Nate, we watched his dad play. Yep. Um, so old. Um, but other than that, the defense is very average. When you have an average defense and you have a pretty below average offensive line, that's just not a, not success in the NFL, especially when you have what appears to be a below average quarterback as well. Um, and also, I believe Donald's, I don't think he's played a whole season. He's always getting nicked up a little bit. I mean, he got mono like a college freshman, like <laughs> in his first year. That was yeah, the weirdest thing I've ever heard in my entire life. Weird. All right. So that's not really an injury, but not you know, an injury. But it, when you said yeah. that, it triggered my like, oh, yeah, I he know. hasn't. <laughs> yeah, Bizarre. Like, so he misses games here and there. And beside behind that offensive line, I, I don't know. I, I like I like the weapons on this team, but weapons are not enough in the NFL. You need a strong interior, you need a strong defense. This team does not have it. My book is showing seven and a half. Um, while I think they might be an exciting team and fun team to watch at times, I still like them under the seven and a half personally. Yeah, it's funny. We don't compare notes. Like, I don't really even send you an outline. We sort of, like, we do our prep. We decide what division we're breaking down, and we do it. And you've sort of hit on, like, all my points. Like, my highlighted point is, like, Brian Burns, going to be a stud. Expect him to fucking shine. Offensive line is literally what's going to make this drink stir. And they're terrible. And they are slotted to – they are playing the projected second toughest schedule of defensive lines. Like, it is not good. (laughs) Um. Well, I wanted to add one thing on your offensive line point there. Their starting left tackle, Cam Irving, he's he's a left tackle. Um, he's played all over the line in his career. And I think that's good being vers- versatile in, on the offensive line. But when you're a left tackle, I want my left tackle really to just be the left tackle. That is a very important position. And he's played all over the line and not well anywhere. So, <laughs> yeah. Like, he's a guy that you like for depth, not yes. to be blocking your blind side. Not to be your starting left tackle. Yeah. That's very concerning. It's a very good point. I did not have that on my sheet, but that is a very good call. <laughs> yeah. I mean, great for a depth guy. Like, you know, somebody goes down right. the line, you can plug him plug in. But you're right. You don't want that as your starting left tackle, which the J.C. Horn pick, I love him as a player. It's just hard when you had some good offensive linemen still on the board to be like, let's go draft a corner when our offensive line is deteriorating. Right. Like that's hard. Um, Yeah. The Joe Brady show too is interesting to me because I don't know if this is one of those situations we saw it in Atlanta, you know, Kyle Shanahan left and the team just deflated. I don't know if that's gonna be Matt rule or not. I mean, he did a hell of a job building programs in college, but as we know, the jump from college to the NFL is insanely hard. It's not program building. It's, I mean, it kind of is, but it's not really, um, it's, like foundation building or how to, what's the word I'm looking for? It's culture building, essentially not, yeah. not so much program building. Um, and Joe Brady did a phenomenal job. I mean, this team prior to this regime coming in was 27th in offensive efficiency. They jumped to 17th, mind you without Christian McCaffrey. I mean, he was gone pretty early. He only played three games last year and Teddy Bridgewater, who is a good quarterback, but he's middle of the pack. Um, and they made some big jumps. Uh, the, and to the point of Adam Gase, there's sort of a death trap there because we saw with just Ryan Tannehill, for example, you know, Ryan Tannehill was averaging seven and a half yards per play under Adam Gase. He had a 36 to 21 TD ratio. He was completing 65% of his passes, almost 66. He leaves Adam Gates. Those yards jump up almost a whole yard. His interception or TD to interception ratio is 55 to 13. His completion percentage jumps up a good two points. You know, he leads the Titans to an eight, 
18 and 8 record. Like hit his deep ball goes off. He's like the second best deep ball quarterback now in the NFL. Like getting away from Adam Gase is a positive thing. Peyton Manning did wonders for that man's career in Adam Gase. Um, but he's an absolute train wreck of a, a quarterback. Yes. So maybe we see that with Darnold. The concerning thing is the word out of camp is Darnold isn't really pushing the ball down the field. It's more kind of short game, intermediate stuff. And I don't know how that's possible when you look at this wide receiver core. How are you not trying to go vertical? Like, it, it's just speed and talent on the outside. I don't – that's concerning to me. I mean, maybe that's what they're trying to do because they are like a very like – I mean, Joe Ju- – or Joe Judge. Joe Brady is a very like in-space kind of guy to get players out there, but he also likes to utilize speed. So I there's some concerning reports coming out of camp as far as Sam Darnold goes is what I would just say. <laughs> Yeah, that's very concerning. I mean, Robbie Anderson is just—I mean, basically, he's almost a one-trick pony, known for stretching the field. <laughs> yeah, like it's mind-baffling, and that maybe that is like a like we we sort of hit on the confidence thing. I mean, Adam Gase may have broken him, and it's going to take him a second to kind of—it's like getting out of an abusive relationship. Like you, you take a second I, to trust again. Like that may be it. I don't know, but it, that yeah. is a concerning report. Um, as far as the defense side of the ball goes, I mean, this is year two in the system. I expect them to be better. They've got great players to kind of pressure a little bit. Brian Burns, I think, is going to have an enormous year. Um, he's a big disruption. I mean, he was fourth in edge rush um, and pass win rate, according to ESPN. 18th in pressure rate. Derek Brown is very solid. If you can get A.J. Boye to kind of get going again, he's on a cheap deal. That's kind of good, but it's... This is a weird team. I don't. I think the number's about right with seven and a half, but there's just there's just so much unknown with mainly how's that offensive line going to perform, how's Sam Darnold going to perform, and can that defense now take the step up and go f- like we understand the system now we can just go and play. Um, yeah. And I don't like to bet what I don't know. And I, there's just way too many questions on this this team. A lot of questions, and you brought up AJ Boye, who was I mean a former stud of a player. I think cornerback is probably the hardest position to get someone like back at yeah I, I think kind of when you're done as a corner you are just so toast you're just done <laughs> like we see True. it happen yeah like corner because i mean that's gotta be i mean it's one of the toughest positions in the game like you have to be such a freak athlete so quick so fast i mean you're keeping up with these wide receivers you don't know what they're gonna run i, I think when corner it's like when you're done like you are pretty i mean it's hard to get you back but i mean i mean i'm not saying it's impossible but it is hard it is hard, yeah. I mean, it's why you see a lot of guys either move to, like, safety or they start mixing them up in kind of more zone coverage and stuff. It, it is the most difficult. It's Outside of quarterback, I would say it's probably the most difficult position on the field. It's got to be. Easily, yeah. Like, it is. And it's you, – you want it, You need to pay a premium for it almost. Well, not really because oftentimes when you go into the free, free agent market for a corner, it's usually not a, a great sign. Um, there's a reason the team is not paying them a premium because that is a premium position if they're letting them – hit the free water. Sometimes it works out, sometimes it doesn't. But his deal is relatively cheap, so if they can even get something, they can rub oh, yeah. some blood out of that stone. I mean, that is a game changer for that defense, I think. Yeah. All right. We are f- arrived at the moment in my Tampa Bay Buccaneers, the Super Bowl champions, the best team in the NFL. I So let's do this. <laughs> I have, I Honestly, I am going to try to check my bias here. I, I went out and I, I enjoyed my, my prep and I was like, uh, I'm going to highlight all the great things about this team. But I, I, there are some things where you can point to concerns. Their win total sits at 11.5, though. I am in the mindset, though, injuries is the only thing stopping this team. Like, from winning a Super Bowl. I, they're going to lose some games. I don't know if I love the win total because the schedule isn't great. 
but I love this team. For the first time in the cap era, salary cap era, they are they are the only team to have returned all 22 starters. This, t- I mean, repeating a Super Bowl is difficult for a multitude of reasons, but one of them is mostly you do not return the same team. And if anything, given it was a COVID year last year, it took forever to learn the offense, this team sh- and defense, this team should be even better. Um, but before I go into my rant about the Bucks, where are your expectations for these Bucks? I mean, as coming completely unbiased to you, I, I completely agree with you. I was actually going to ask you when I was done, and I will, but I, I'm, you know better than me. I was trying to find a weakness. I don't, I, I don't see one. Is it, is it your, maybe your secondary? I don't even know. <laughs> so um, I have uh, a fun point about that because it was our thing last year, but not this I, year. I remember <laughs> that. And so I'm just like, you know, everyone returned. You pretty much lost no one. Um, you have the best quarterback on the planet to ever play. Um, <laughs> you have a great coaching staff. The, the the only slight weakness, very, very slight. I I don't love your running game, but I don't hate it. Yeah. It's still good. I, I mean, I think Leonard Fournette and Ronald Jones are both very good players. Uh, Leonard Fournette, actually, I mean, he's still really young and he's had a very good, he had a very good career in Jacksonville. I think they should, maybe consider utilizing him a little more this year. Um, but I, yeah, I, I totally agree with you. I think this is the best team in the NFL. I personally, I love the over 11 and a half. You 17 games. I, I this team can go 12 and five. Um, I think they can go 13 and four, 14 and three. I know. I, I love this team. Yeah. I, I see a repeat in the Super Bowl. Uh, then I see them winning again. That This is my, as of now, they are my Super Bowl pick. I don't see how you can really argue it. This team is stacked. Yep. They're, I mean, they're the best. Injuries is really what's holding us back here, in my opinion. I mean, you look at our wide receiver room. Best wide receiver room in the NFL. Quarterback situation. Best quarterback situation in the NFL. The defense, which I'm going to get to, is elite. I mean, they are, yes. at this point, what they're competing for is to be as good as, like, the 85 Bears, like, 2002 Bucks, like, the or, uh, 2000 Ravens, like those great defenses that stick out in our minds, like that's what they're competing for. Like it's not so much like are they going to be the one of the best defenses in the NFL. It's like are they going to be one of the most historic defenses in the NFL. Like are we going to be talking about them down the line, which we'll get to in a moment. Um, but this offense, I mean, if we stay on just the offensive side of the ball, last year if you look at it, Brady comes in 43, hurts his knee in the off season doesn't get it fixed, is requiring monthly treatment, was very open about, like, not really understanding the playbook. Like, not that he didn't understand it, but not, like, it was, everything was off. And you could see that. Um, I mean, I was raving, like, raging about it all all season because I was like, just wait until they get this down. Um, so they have that. Nobody's on the same page. The offense is not going great. Then you have that week 13 bye. And that is literally when everything changed. I mean, the offense won... I mean, there was a couple of reasons for that. One, Brady and Bruce sat down and went through it all over a week, and they changed the offense. They added more play action. They added more motion, which is crucial for Brady because if we're being honest, what Brady, like he doesn't have the best arm. Some people, I argue, has the best brain, but people say Peyton or whatever. Like he doesn't have like. There's not one thing you point to that is the best, but he's the best poker player, and he uses motion to kind of see what if the defense is going to tip their hand. They usually do for him. And then he exposes that. So they increased all those. The offense exploded. They they ran more of the Tom Brady offense. They integrated it a little bit more. And we took off. And so I guess the concern would be, do we keep those philosophies? Like, does Bruce and Byron get a little cocky because they now have won a Super Bowl? And do they, do they battle with Brady a little bit? Because if we remember early in the season, 
I mean, you can look it up. Articles are out there like the Brady experiment's only going to last a year. It's over. This is terrible. Yada yada yada. <laughs> um, so that's that's one concern I would have is you know does the offense stay consistent to what it was at the end of the year? Because even in the playoffs, we saw like they got a little bit more run heavy. They they dropped the play action not as much, but they did start using Gronk a little bit more in the passing game, which I liked. So that's one concern. The other concern and the only really weak point, and it's not even a weak point because the offensive line is very good, but the depth of the offensive line is a little tough. Um, like the running back room isn't great, but we get Geo. He's a great back out of the, uh, the backfield for catching the ball. He's a good blocking back. I love Ronald Jones. I think he's going to be really good. I like Fournette came on strong in the end of the season, but the O-line doesn't have a ton of depth. Like I don't love the depth there, but it's a, it's a top, I would say top five offensive line. I don't think that's speaking out of character. Um, so I just, and, the, and then the wide receiver room. I mean, there's depth everywhere, even outside of our top three guys. Tyler Johnson, who everybody saw in that Saints game when he made that incredible catch, is a great wide receiver, and he's only the fourth guy on our rod. Like, he's the fourth guy down. We have two Hall of Famers in A.B. and Mike Evans, and Chris Godwin is, you know, we'll see how his career goes, but he's projected to be one of the better wide receivers in the league. He is one of the better wide receivers in the league. So it's insane on offense. I don't know how it gets... It can only get better, in my opinion, on offense. Yeah, I agree, and I'm actually glad I forgot. I kind of slipped my mind, but I, the Gio Bernard pickup, I, I love that pickup. Um, I think last year you were kind of missing a, a pass-catching running back a little bit, um, and Gio is just that. Um, if Also, just you know, as a little side nugget, um, if Ronald Jones or Leonard Fournette, in my opinion, get injured, I think Gio is a great pickup of fantasy <laughs> quick plug-in PPR league. Oh. Yeah. I, yeah, so I kind of forgot about Geo. I love that pickup, so that only helps the offense. Um, yeah, I mean, this team is ridiculous. <laughs> I, it's, I, and I've also, at this point in my life, I've completely thrown away even the thought of Brady ever showing his age. I, I, it doesn't even come into consideration anymore to me. I, at this point, I just assume Tom will be fine, and I think whenever he does decide to hang him up, he'll probably still be good. I, I don't even think about that anymore because it's we're six years past when we thought it was going to happen so i mean how it. could you at this place at 43 he was playing the entire season with a banged up knee he had to get surgery this offseason made it through the whole season just fine <laughs> it, it, i can't even consider it he, he's fine he's going to be good yeah. so this team's going to be awesome and we haven't even addressed like oj howard's coming back we didn't have him at all last year yeah he has not hit his potential like his ceiling but he is, I, I am very excited to see what he looks like in Tom Brady's offense. Like, that is something I'm excited for. We didn't even get to see that last year. And he's back. <laughs> his in a contract been, year. Yeah, so he's going to try really hard. <laughs> yeah. uh, he's, his career has been a little underwhelming so far, but we all know he's a freak talent. And so it can never hurt to bring someone like O.J. Howard back to an offense. No, and bring that depth in. And then we go to the defensive side of the ball. And... Todd Bowles is being paid as the highest coordinator, as he should be. Todd Bowles is, I would say, probably the best defensive coordinator in the league. I don't know if there's probably some other arguments. I think he's the best, in my opinion. But this is a back-to-back best rush defense. This is a defense that is stacked in the front seven. I mean, you arguably have the best linebacker duo. You have a defensive line that is riddled with talent. Via Vite, um, he needs to stay healthy, but he is one of the best kind of five defensive tackles and pressure rate. You've got Dominic and Sue in the middle, who's great. You've got Shaq Barrett, who's a game changer on the edge. you got JPP, who's also a huge sack guy. You add Joe Theon on there, the draft pick, um, who has been killing it in preseason as a depth player. Then you've got Devin White and Levante David as your, uh, as your linebackers and some good depth there with backups. 
And then you move to the secondary, to your point, which was the Achilles heel last year. But that was the second youngest secondary in the league last year. That was a secondary that for the first time in since 2014 will not have a rookie on it because they've had a rookie in that secondary every year. And that is a secondary that got a lot better as the season went on. Like, that secondaries, they got... Like, when you look at them, um, when opposing quarterbacks were not under pressure, they only allowed seven point or 7.1 yards per attempt. That was the third lowest rate, which I was actually very surprised about. Um, it was the youngest secondary... And they in the playoffs, they had a completion rate. It dropped from 69% in the regular season to 59.7% in the playoffs. They held Breeze to a 57 completion percentage with three interceptions. Mahomes to 53. Obviously, we know the story there, though, with pressure. Sean Murphy Bunton, Bunting became the fourth player. He's probably the worst guy on our secondary last year. He was the fourth player in NFL history to have um, his first three playoff like picks in a row. Um <laughs> And Dean's technique got even better. Winfield as a secondary is only going to get better. Like there's depth there too. Like this, this team and there, they were talking about it. Like Tom Brady has been the one that's coaching up some of these DBs and teaching them things. And they're like, he's been the best coach ever. Like we've gone from like not really knowing the system to now just going out there and playing, which is a terrifying thought for opposing offenses. Absolutely horrifying. I mean, You've pretty much covered it. This team's awesome. <laughs> yeah, like I'm so excited. I, I got to soak it in because the Bucks have been one of the worst like sports oh. franchises ever. So I'm sucking in it. They're sucking it up as much as I can. Yeah, they've they've been horrible. Like just under the radar, terrible. Um, yeah, I, there's very few teams in the NFC that are I think are really built to contend with them. I, I mean, like I said, you know, I think the Rams kind of are, and <laughs> shockingly, I think Washington Football Team is actually kind of built to compete. With I them. agree. but like i I mean like teams like the packers i think they're more talented than you know like a team like wft and they they would beat wft but i I don't think they're built to really beat a team like tampa i I just i just i don't know this team's just built so well it's insane i don't know how all these stars align to be complete i mean (laughs) you got to give it up to i mean drafting has been fantastic we have hit i mean outside of the quarterback position obviously we've hit very well on our draft boards and then we've done some made some very good moves in free agent like it's just been the perfect storm like it's like i said our weak points are literally just depth on the offensive line and coaching being stupid like that's about it. Like coaching is gonna hold us back. If like anything. egos. Yeah. Like, e- yeah. Exactly. Because people are also over here. Like, well, you know, it's hard to get motivation to go. And it's like, have you met Tom Brady? Like, the man doesn't. Like, he's gonna get everybody in line. As well as a lot of these guys are not like they're all very selfless. Like Mike Evans is not bitching about his targets in a, an offense that gets spread around. Like he should be one of the best. He is one of the best wide receivers in the NFL. But he should be getting productive, like targeted, like the best, and it gets spread around. He has no problems there. Like everybody's pretty selfless on this team. It's all about winning. I have zero problems about motivation on this one. No, you should. I mean, Mike Evans is injured every year, and every year, like, there's like ten highlights of him dragging like three guys into the end zone. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like, there's just there's nobody on this team that I'm worried. About. It's just it's an absolute insanity. So I'm very excited for this team. I tried to I tried to remove my bias, but I just I couldn't find a lot of holes to be honest. You're you're really not even being biased. Yeah. Um. Anything else before we wrap up uh, the NFL section here? Um. No, nothing really. I kind of was going into this expecting it to be just like, what, well, like if the Buccaneers don't win this division, it'll be one of the biggest catastrophes like in sports so much will have to have gone wrong i don't even want to know what that looks like it will be a catastrophe like this out of out of all the divisions in football i think this is the most clear-cut division winner 
Yeah. Like, well, it's, it's more even, than the Chiefs. It's even scary too because like a lot of the times, you know, teams get off to a slow start. Our first two games are the Cowboys and Falcons. Like those should be bloodbaths. Tear that those defenses up. Yeah. Destroy them. Then we get the, Yeah, like that's gonna be <laughs> it's gonna be insane. The offense yeah. is gonna have no if they get off to a slow start, maybe I'll get concerned, but there really shouldn't be. Yeah. Um, I got two things before we we wrap this up. I got some college football picks. I got I got two futures here. I we're running a little longer here today, but I got I got two things for the audience and yourself here. Two picks I like. I do not like betting futures. So these are gonna be small little sprinkles I do because you're there's just too much left up to injury here and I, I don't oh, like yeah. having my money held on there. But I got a natty winner and I got a conference championship winner. I don't like most of the conference champions. I think they're all pretty much locked up. Like Ohio State's winning. They're just they close their eyes and they're running through the Big Ten, I think. Wisconsin might give them some fits, but you know. Clemson gonna do the same thing. Close their eyes, run through it. Georgia, I think, has a shot at winning the SEC championship there. There's some other guys that are compete. I don't love betting in the SEC though. It's just such a weird and tough conference. So I'm leaving that away. Oklahoma, close their eyes, go to sleep. They're winning their conference. The Pac-12, though, I've got an underdog that I think is being a little undervalued. Now, this is a risky bet because it relies on a a quarterback who has had some health issues with concussions. But if he's healthy, I think the Utah Utes are going to win the Pac-12. I think they're the second-best team in the Pac-12, and I think they're they're a good matchup against Oregon on the other side of that division in the Pac-12 difference. Here is my rationale behind this. To put you into the mind, they are plus 500 to win the Pac-12 right now. They're, I think they uh, DraftKings, I think, has them as like the fifth best team in the Pac-12, which is insane. Washington is not as good as they're being hyped up to be. Um, USC is the most inconsistent program the world has ever seen at this point under Clay Helton. Um, the Utah Utes, though, are consistency. They play super physical football. The defense is going to be probably top 10 in the country this year. It's got the chance to be an elite defensive line. They're returning a ton of guys. The offense has always been the question because they they haven't really been able to open it up to compete kind of with the Oregons um, that are just loaded with talent. But Oregon's got questions at quarterback. We don't that defense had a great defense hire over at Oregon. They're going to be a lot tougher, but that could be a project. I mean, tons of talent. We don't know how they're going to go. Utah has consistency. Charlie Brewer is the transfer quarterback. That is the concern. It all relies on Charlie Brewer. He looked fantastic in the spring game. His first year at Baylor, he led them to a bowl game and played amazing that season. Last year, he had a tough year, but he had concussions, which I blame most of that with. So the concussion part is the risky part. If he's done, it's a problem. But they have a good offense line, great depth. Three starters started last year that were freshmen. They still played well. Their offensive line, it's been the kind of story of camp that they have progressed so well against really one of the elite defensive lines in college football. The wide receiver room got deeper because they took on transfers from Oklahoma um, in Theo Howard and TJ Pledger. They got uh, Brian Thompson out of Arizona State. They had a running back, Chris Curry, from uh, LSU. They have a renovated stadium, added a couple more seats. That stadium is one of the best home field advantages in college football, and their bye comes perfectly. Their first part of the season, they have time to get caught up to speed. Then they get a bye. Then they get USC, which is a tough part of their schedule, but they get them after a bye, so they get an extra week to prepare for USC. They're super inconsistent. And then their game against Oregon is at home. Huge home field advantage. They're like tough games are all at home. And this is a sad part, but it leads into some of the motivation. There was the tragic death of Ty uh, Ty Jordan, the running back there. They dedicated the season to him. They built him a locker in the new um, facility. So that is an extra motivation. It's hard to like kind of capitalize, like, 
be like, how big of a motivation is this? But this is one of those things where it's like, you know, getting that last rep in the weight room, thinking of him not being there. You come back in halftime, things aren't going that way. You see that locker and going, we got to go out there and just be better in the second half. We got to fucking put our hand in the dirt, give some extra fucking pressure here. Practices, you're seeing that, getting extra reps in. So I think that's a big motivation. I am very big on the Utah Utes in the Pac-12. It's a risky one because once again, it comes down to Charlie Brewer staying healthy, but they are, I think they are an extremely undervalued team in the Pac-12. Okay. I mean, I like it. I mean, it seems like they got a lot of really good recruits and I totally agree with the whole motivation thing. I remember when Sean Taylor passed away, Washington like rattled off like five wins after that and to get into the playoffs. So I believe that definitely is a motivation. And I love, I actually like the Pac-12 people like, like to hate on the Pac-12, but it's nice, you know, a full day of football, then like, you know, 1030 rolls around. You, you may have had a few beverages. You're kind of, you know, half asleep, but you know, you have a game on in the background, a nice Pac-12 game. I love the Pac-12. Dude, it's so funny. You met, this is why we were meant to do football podcasts because I am literally like I am up watching Pac-12 after dark every time with a beer, oh, yeah. like a little buzz going on late at night after watching football. It's fantastic. <laughs> like, I it's absolutely great. love it. Um, so awesome. And the Pac-12 is going to be good this year. I think the Pac-12 is the most interesting conference this year. I think the storylines coming out of that are going to be interesting. We're going to find out who Oregon is week two because they play Ohio State, uh, but they have yeah. some issues at quarterback. USC super inconsistent. Like, once again, consistency at the quarterback position. Kevin Slovis has sometimes looked like the greatest quarterback on the planet, and other times it looks like he should be playing in a JV high school game. Like, I don't know what's going on. Like, did he eat a pop brownie before the game? Um, like, I don't, it just is dumbfounding. Um, I think Washington is a fraud of a team. Their schedule is as soft as a cloud, so people are going to think they're really good, but they just aren't. They have a great tight end, but I don't know about the rest of them. I'm big on Utah. And the motivation part, too, like, I just, I think it's one of those things when you, when you see that locker and you're like, man, I'm tired of shit today. I don't really want to practice. That's like, all right, he's not, Ty Jones isn't here. He can't do this with us. Let's go out and get some good reps. Let's get this extra set in the weight room. Let's fucking dig down in the second half and fucking go balls to the wall, even if things are going bad. So I, I do think that is a big motivating factor. And I like I said, I think they're the second best team. I don't think they're better than Oregon, but I think matchup-wise, they have a bit of an edge in Oregon, especially just the physicality that they play um, at Utah. It's smack you in the mouth, and Oregon doesn't generally respond to smack you in the mouth football. Generally, I mean, most Pac-12 teams don't really. So. No, <laughs> and it's a huge home field that in there. Yeah, you could bring that into the, uh, that conference. I, you know, I like your chances of winning it. Yep. Now my natty pick, and this is the last one before I, I, I know what I'm doing. I just want to get my notes ready for this one. I think this is the year. I think it's the year that the gap is bridged, and Oklahoma wins the national championship. I am. Um, so here's my rationale here. I. I don't generally like bet, betting national championship winners because it just takes so much, and you usually have to bet Alabama or Clemson. Oklahoma is cycling up at the exact right time. Alabama uh, has to replace an enormous amount of offensive pressure, and we're just assuming Bryce Young is going to be good. We have no idea if he's going to be good. He was a good high school recruit, but he's short in stature. He has made some bad decisions in his spring game. Like We're just assuming he's going to be good. We only know that they have one stud wide receiver right now. They will have more. We know that. But it's just a lot of assumptions. I don't like to bet on assumptions. Clemson, going to have one of the best quarterbacks in the country, but they, too, are replacing an enormous amount of talent on both sides of the ball. Ohio State, who knows what the fuck that quarterback situation is going to look like. That's unproven. They have the best, running back, or best wide receiver duo in the country. But outside of that, the defense is going to take a big regression. What I do know is Oklahoma is returning 
a ton of their talent. They have an elite quarterback in Spencer Rattler. It's really a question. They're basically, we're debating with Oklahoma shades of elite, in my opinion. Like, that's what we're going with. Um, the offense is going to be number one, I think, in my opinion. Spencer Rattler is phenomenal. The wide receiver room is top three in the country. The running back room, while it is getting thin, is the duo they have left is phenomenal. The offensive line is good. And the defense, more importantly, is finally ready for the task. And I have numbers to back this up. I've been watching them. They're turning a ton of talent. Their front seven is phenomenal. Their weak point is the secondary, which I'll get to in a second. But Alex Grinton's the defensive coordinator. The year prior to getting there, they were 84th in defense efficiency. In two seasons, they've moved up to 15th. The year prior, they were 114th in total defense out of 129 SBF teams. Last season, they were 29th in total defense, 26th in yards per play. They were top 10 in sacks in third down defense and rush defense. They return an enormous amount of talent on the defense line. Their linebacking core is phenomenal. The DBs are a little bit of a concern, but their schedule allows them to get settled. Like They're going to get to be able to kind of get some experience, and when you can bring pressure at the rate Oklahoma is going to bring, it is going to it's going to help them. Like this defense is finally ready to compete. Like it's just that it's year three of the program, the defensive program. It's progressively gotten better every single year. Their talent that they've recruited is now in that elite category on defense, and they're ready to not get pushed around. In the offense, it's just like how high are they jumping at this point? Like I just it Oklahoma, I think at that plus six fifty. If you're looking for a dog in the natty, it's what I'm putting my money on. I think it's the year that they finally close that gap if they're going to do it under lincoln riley this is the team to do it is essentially where i'm at yeah i mean i do agree there a lot of the those big other powerhouses are definitely reloading right now a lot of the talent has gone away recently you know in drafts yeah um yeah people do see bryce young seems to already be dubbed as like he's going to be good everything's fine there so yeah I, i do agree with you on that and for the longest time Oklahoma just, I mean, Oklahoma has just needed some sort of semblance of a defense. Um, yeah. so if, they, if they have that, I mean, I, I, I do like their chances and it would just be nice to just have a different, I mean, I know Oklahoma, you know, is always involved and is always one of the, you know, probably top six teams pretty much every year, but it would just be nice to have a different, you know, national champion. <laughs> I agree. I a hundred percent agree. And I'm I guess ready for it. I don't like betting Oklahoma because similar to the Pac-12, like it is, it's the snake that eats itself. Like they always seem to just shoot themselves in the foot. Kansas State oh, yeah. last year, things like that. But it generally comes down to like two things: it's defense playing shitty, which they are, they're ready. Like they're, this is the year. Like they finally, it's, it's a prove it year, and I think they're ready to prove it because of the talent they have and the fact that they've just gotten better consistently under Alex Grinch as defense coordinator the last two years, and the talent is just, it's, it's ripe. Like it's ready. Um. And then offensively, the question is Spencer Rattler. Like, how how elite does he want to be? Is he a guy? Because we've we've been watching him since he was in high school on that QB one show. Like, he does seem to like the spotlight a lot more with the new NIL rules. Does that come into play? Oh, but yeah. I would say he is the most elite arm in college football. Like, he has the best arm in college football. I don't know if he's gonna be the best pro. Now that's a whole different conversation and a different bucket altogether. But as far as college football goes, he's the most elite arm. Like since Patrick Mahomes, um, and he has an insane wide receiving core. So I just I think it's the year with everybody cycling through. I mean, Alabama's defense is supposed to be really good, but like I said, we're just assuming a lot of things. We're assuming Clemson's going to replace Travis Etienne and Trevor Lawrence. DJ Ugalu, whatever, I can't pronounce his last name. Is be good. Yeah, we're expecting them to replace the receiving core and the offensive line, and the defense is going to be there. Like, it's just, there's a lot of assumptions. Ohio State is going to regress on defense. They lost too yeah. many guys. Like, it's just, this is the year. Like, they just, Oklahoma's cycle of talent 
just timed out perfectly with the decycling of some other schools. And so I like them as the underdog. If you don't want to bet a Clemson or an Alabama, I think it's Oklahoma's year. I don't hate it. And you brought up Alabama's defense, even like within the, like the last three, like two, three years, um, Alabama's kind of gotten more away from that like insanely dominant defense and has kind of more started concentrating more on their offense. So I've kind of noticed a trend in college football where almost everyone's defense is kind of starting to get even like even SEC defenses are they're all yep. starting to kind of get a little worse. They just don't seem to to pay as much attention. They're kind of getting away from that. It seems like the the bark is louder than or uh, louder than the bite or whatever the fuck the phrase is. I'm fucking up phrases now too. <laughs> Their bark is uh, stronger or louder than their bite. Whatever, whatever. I don't know. Like no bark, no bark, no. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> no bark or something or no. like that. It's uh, all bark, no bite. There we go. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> it's getting late into the show. Our brain is <laughs> melting right now. <laughs> oh, but yeah, I, I agree, and that's why I think it might be Georgia's year in the SEC. I'm not willing to like put my whole hard-earned cash on that, but. Don't be surprised if Georgia wins the SEC this year, um, and they finally get to the mountaintop. Like I, I think it's a year that teams finally hit their expectations. Georgia's expectation, and definitely the expectations that have been at Oklahoma, that they have felt very short. But like I said, it's been a defensive problem, and I think this is the year that it's finally like, oh, they're not frauds anymore. This is a elite offense, and they finally have the defense to make some stops. I like it. All righty, that'll do it for us. Those are my two preseason bets. I'm going to have some bets coming out this week. We're going to have more content coming out, as always. But any final thoughts before we wrap this up? I got nothing. Cowboys are fraud. I'm taking out a home mortgage to short their stock. <laughs> if they were a stock, I'd take out a bank loan to short them. Um, <laughs> that's what I've gotten from Hard Knocks and this looking into them at this point. Um, that's all I've got. But as always, peace.